0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Hey, everybody. This is Matt Minick here for Orange and Black Insider. With me, as always, John Sheeran. John, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, Matt. Um has May- May- is- the last 72 hours, right? <laughs> yeah, um,
0: as as everyone can see and um, as, as they'll hear, we, we will not have Anthony Casenza here tonight. He's dealing with a, a personal issue, so we we have Matt as like another another chalk talk OBI kind of crossover, and we need all hands on deck because that's also what the Bengals kind of need right now for obvious reasons.
1: Yep, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean. I, I tweeted about this earlier today. I spent, I mean, not a lot because there wasn't a lot to look at, but uh, part of part of yesterday watching every single pass that Ryan Finley has thrown in the NFL, trying to figure out what would be a game plan, how how they can make it work and come up with a win, uh, just to hear the news that they did what I think we all thought they should have done and what I was calling for in August. And uh, <laughs> it looks like Brandon Allen's going to get the start. Um, but yeah, no, somebody, somebody commented, uh, to me on, on, uh, on Twitter about that. Like, oh, yeah, what are you, what are you doing? Like, look, it's, it's thinking over, you know, just, just cause it looks ugly. And, <laughs> you know, like we still got a job to do. And, and, you know, those coaches, they still got a job to do. They, they gotta, they gotta figure out how to win games, even though it doesn't, uh, it's not going to be easy. They gotta, they gotta figure that stuff out. Cause guess what? This team isn't very good at winning games so um you can do it without burrow if you can come up with those things that's gonna make make me feel a lot better going to next year so (laughs) Uh,
0: well i mean that's 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 a good place to start because obviously like the burrow injury is still in a lot of people's minds and for those who somehow don't know i mean joe burrow was injured early in the third quarter of the Bengals Week 11 game against the Washington football team. He officially tore his ACL and MCL in his left knee, and I mean, it should have been obvious that other um, damage was done in that leg, structural damage, because that's usually what happens with those kinds of injuries, but more or less, it is a standard recovery time for an injury like that, 9 to 12 months. The um, Burrow is yet to have surgery. He's going to have surgery probably sometime in December when the swelling in that knee goes down, but it's kind of it's kind of where we're at, just for a little catch up. But I mean, right, like right now, like when Burrow goes down, I and mean, now that he's down, you know, things it, it, it's it, not. A, I guess unraveling is the right word because right now, like like Burrow was the whole reason why this team was largely competitive, and you have six games left against mostly you know teams that you can be competitive with. But uh, Matt, it's like it's like people are. Fans and and media members and analysts alike are just like, wh- like what like what what to do with this team right now like do, what what is how do they go forward with this because right now a lot of people are just stuck still absorbing the news and can't believe that it's happened but but it is happening even and we can argue about the whole things of how it may or may not have been inevitable behind this offensive line but I think the the main thing right now is just how does anybody accept this going forward and how does the team move forward with it.
1: I mean, yeah, you got to figure something else out. You know, I mean, look, we've got six games left in this year and looking at things and we'll, we'll talk about the draft in a little bit, but yeah, right now they're slotted for the third overall selection. And if they, if they don't win another game, they'll probably stay there because there's a couple teams that probably aren't going to win another game either that are in front of them um, who they have more than a game lead on. Uh, So but but you're still going to do something, you know, and and when we talked about tanking last year and and really that was more of a, the real tank talk was about the dolphins, but like, if you, if you are legitimately going to tank, which I don't even really think it's a thing in the NFL, but from a front office standpoint, you can kind of do it. Like you have to get rid of the coach because if you have a coach, that's not, working those guys and, and, you know, focused on winning every single week. Like you can't just turn around and say, Hey, we're going to win this week or, Oh, Hey, we got that first round pick now, you know, next year we're going to win. You can't do that. Like, you know, and and I wrote a piece this week, you know, talking about about culture, like that, that's what it is. You know, you've got to be focused on winning all the time. So, to me, this is a big moment for, for Zach Taylor. And, look, they've got to be competitive right now. They can't just suck for six weeks because they haven't been very good the 10 weeks before that. you know. And they weren't very good the 16 weeks before that either. Like, if, if he can't get them to fight right now, I mean, does he deserve to have a chance when Burrow comes back? Like, that's what you, you got to really ask yourself. And, and I get it. I get how much is, a, is against him right now. Um, and I get that, look, they weren't giving Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen reps. They were training Burrow. Like, they were, you're not playing for your backup quarterback. You're planning to win games. You're, you know, you're planning for for a successful season. Um, but, I mean, it's just about figuring out how to get more out of the rest of the team. And if they can do that and then ride that in the next year, like we might have something, you know, especially if you make some additions. Uh, but, but that's, that's the fact. This team has underperformed with Burrow. Now you got to stop the underperforming.
0: You, you mentioned that you wrote an article on CJ Jungle, and if you haven't checked that out, definitely go check that out. It, it essentially um, describes that you know, and I remember I remember you had this point last year when a lot of fans and people were like, were kind of. Um, Promoting the Bengals to essentially tank for a quarterback, and it it the the sentiments still remain the same. It's like you know a winning culture is not something that can just happen overnight. It can't just be something that just you know appears out of midair because you have one or two tra- transcendent prospects you know fall into your lap. It's something that has to it has to be built over time, and and even in times of adversity when you don't have your star quarterback or you don't have your team at full strength, it's something that needs to be built then. And I think. You know, because there's still fans that you know would like this team to go 0 six to finish the year, so they can have a chance at a, a Penny Suo or whoever the the team would want to draft at the top of the draft. But I, I think there is a point to be made where it's it's a difference between last year when you know the Bengals, I, I guess you know it, the, the only chance they had to draft Joe Burrow was if they were take if they were picking number one. But now that they have the quarterback, you know, now that that now that now that he's in the fold and he's on their contract for the next four years, like. It almost seems like just like that idea, it, it, how real it is or how fake it is. It's just not applicable anymore. You, you, you can't keep continuing to do that and ask your one bona fide leader to continue to buy in. Because if he doesn't buy in, then nobody is. Everybody looks to him as as that one alpha male or not male alpha dominant leader. And if he if he's not buying it, because the coaches are not wanting to do what's best for the team even when you know the, the season's lost then the whole thing is kaput. Now that you have the quarterback, it just seems like that strategy to just tank even if it may not be real from a coaches and players perspective, it's just not applicable anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. And I mean the example that we could look at of something that was a, like a similar situation would be the 49ers uh, who made you know had the biggest improvement over the course of from one year to the next uh a year ago. Uh Jimmy Garoppolo goes down a little earlier in the season, but Jimmy Garoppolo goes down. They put in some guys and I mean I I thought they were pretty competitive that year. You know what I mean? Like it it wasn't like they were like done. Um but obviously they didn't win a lot of games. And that got them Bosa and Bosa for years, the Niners were drafting edge players and they were not getting them, you know, like like Mm -hmm. Solomon Thomas was a great example. Like Solomon Thomas is a pretty good football player, but he's not, he's not an edge. He's not a real true edge rusher. Um, And like Bosa was what that defense needed to really go. So getting Garoppolo back, getting Bosa in there, that definitely propelled them to, to what they were able to do a year ago. Um, but, look, number one, the Bengals aren't one piece away. Uh, and then it's, it's also about, you know, what else is going on. Because, like I said, you felt like that, that group was fairly competitive. You know, even, even though they didn't win a ton of games, like you felt like they were, they were competitive. I don't think anybody thought that they were, like, completely downtrodden or out or anything, uh, the way we look at the Bengals. Uh, and, you know, the Bengals, they don't have that history. Zach Taylor doesn't have that that pedigree, you know, he's, it's not like he's coming from a, you know, it's not like he, he won a Super bowl with some other team and then got can came here. It's not like he, you know, went to the Rose bowl or something like that. Like he's, he's the young guy, you know? Uh, and I mean, that's another point about it too. Like this coaching staff needs to develop because we've seen that they're not very good at situational football, you know, third downs, red zones, you know, they they haven't been winning these things even with Burrow. Uh defensively, two-minute defense, you know, has been a major problem. You know, that they, they've had too many breakdowns in those types of, of situations. So really, I mean, this 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 coaching staff can't afford to not grow right now, too. Um so I mean, yeah, I mean it's just it, it's on it's on every level. Like the, the coaches need to teach the players to, to fight to compete, but they also need to Fix their own problems and you know develop it that way too.
0: Well, I mean the co- the coaching staff needs results. Like they can't yeah. go into to twenty twenty one with like four total wins in two mm-hmm. years and, and expect every single buddy every single coach to come back. Like it, it may like people want Zach's head right now, and I can understand a lot of that. But I I don't I don't think we're getting the the inclination that he's going to get fired. But I mean every one of his assistants, none of them can possibly be feel safe if they end this season on a low note like we all expect them to do. Specifically, Luna, Rumo, Jim Turner, like th- those guys, even though they were brought in by by Zach, like th- their job security has to be at an all-time low, especially if they finish the season 2-13-1. So like fr- from them, like you're right, like they need results and they need to connect with these players on a level that they've never shown to be capable of connecting with before. And I guess that kind of brings up the, the so-called devil's advocate to the whole winning culture thing where it's like, even if all of that is is, is fantastic in theory, I, I think what a, a lot of the, the reservation that people have about it is: what if it's just too late? Like, is this something that can be suddenly sparked, even in like the worst adversity? 25, 26 games into this coaching staff's like tenure, into their control over the roster, because I think the the faith in Taylor and his and his staff right now is at an all time low, and I don't think anyone's expecting any remarkable results with Brandon Allen or Ryan Finley at the helm. But like, is it even possible for them to galvanize this group and connect with them on a level that they haven't been able to show before? Because if not, then at what point do you just say enough is enough?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you look at that and and Taylor talks a lot about in his press conferences about, you know, you don't see what's going on behind closed doors. You don't know what's going on. Uh, Obviously there's, that's a two-way street, and we'll probably touch on this some, uh, stuff a little bit later, but, um, you know, are they building the momentum? Are they having, you know, these positive discussions and things? Like, sometimes it takes a little bit of time for that to be uh, seen in the field, but, yeah, we're we're pretty late in the game here, right? We're, we're in the ninth round. we we got to start throwing a makers. Um, and, and, and that's why, look, I don't think the, the expectation – for this team should change and for Zach Taylor should change just because Burrow's out. Like, yes, look, look, if Burrow was here, I would have expected that they won that game. They're winning it when he went out. And, uh, you know, you'd you'd really think that they should be able to get three more wins this season um, with with the schedule they have and, and Joe Burrow on the field. But I'm not talking about wins and losses. I'm talking about where this team is, you know, the reason that we needed to see those wins in the second half of the season was to, to show that they're not going to lose to bad teams. They're not going to lose games that they should win. You know, and and I think more importantly, like, there's the four they should get. But in my head, what I really wanted to see, I mean, I would have been, honestly, if, the, if they blew it against the Giants, but pulled it off against the Ravens or the Steelers or somebody good, like, would have been like, okay, there's a good one. We got the Titans' good one. Like, it's something to build on a little bit um going into next year but yeah you've got to have some level of success regardless of who, who you got behind center uh because y- you know what maybe maybe these guys really do like taylor maybe guys are are bought in you know i mean I, obviously we're hearing other things but like maybe there is a really strong contingent maybe there's a really strong area though but that only lasts so long Right. As you're saying, like these guys, they they get careers, they're going to move on. And if it's not working, it's not working. Um, So I I really. I don't I'm not somebody that, like, calls for people's jobs or anything like that. That's that's not my that's not my style, but I don't think that this staff should be excused because Joe Burrow is not there. Right, oh, 100%. If you're saying six wins, you know, you have to get six wins. Then yeah, you can excuse that, but it doesn't excuse the product you're putting on the field. Uh, just because you're bro's out there.
0: Uh, like, absolutely. And that's kind of a good segue to some of the rumors that we are hearing about, um, the, uh, alleged, you know, toxic, uh, locker room culture. And, you know, uh, me and, and daddy on and Hoji electric smoothie. We just had Elise Jesse on for video, uh, um, talking about that article that Elise wrote for all Bengals. And, I mean, it, it's not just one or two players. Like, this was something that was kind of speculated you know, back when they lost to the Colts and the Browns, and, you know, it's, you know certain rumors started heating up. But th- this is a, a decent amount of the locker room, not just players, but also personnel, um, staff members as well, having doubts and, and seeing what is transpiring in the locker room. And, and obviously, there's, there is no actual media in the locker rooms, and that's something that – you know, you know, local reporters have said that they haven't been able to get a gauge on what's going on because they haven't had eyes in the locker room. But you know, if the if the stuff is more true than maybe some people think it, that it is, like that 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 has implications for 2021 too. Because I mean, this, this past offseason it was it was a successful one for the Bengals because I mean they, they spent a lot of money previously, but they had a direction and a plan going forward. They had a message that. You know, outside free agents kind of bought in because they were going to get Joe Burrow. They have a coaching staff that was entering year two, and they had more continuity with everything. And it wasn't just a franchise going in into a complete rebuild mode. It was like, you know, we're we're going to get this quarterback, and we're going to move forward, and we're going to try to have immediate success. And guys bought in, and they were able to have you know, on paper, successful additions. If you you know go into go into the 2021 offseason after another two win season with all these rumors and speculation going on, it's going to be harder to sell that message, which is another reason why, like, ha- finishing the season strong is so important for actually improving on to next year.
1: Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. Um, yeah, you need to see some results. And, yeah, w- w- so what is going on in the locker room? I mean, we don't know. We know that we're hearing things. Nobody wants to put their name to it. That That's kind of what Giovanni Bernard came out and said in his press today was – you know, he's kind of, he's basically denying it and saying there's an open door policy uh you know give me you know give me a name basically um so, i mean maybe maybe there's a division there i mean and, and maybe it's maybe it's 50-50 maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's not um but you know there is that 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 battling culture it seems like a lot of the players that we've heard, heard kind of rumored about this stuff are some of the older guys um i thought it was interesting that uh, in, in Elise's piece, somebody said something like, oh, this is like a college program this isn't like an NFL program because I was relating it to that and I was thinking, all right if that's a if that's a guy that only played for the Bengals, what the heck does he know mm-hmm. um, you, you know what I mean and like I don't know I, I feel like that's what something that's thrown out sometimes and it's like doesn't really mean much to me um, I think that you talk about like the abusive language and I think that's probably the way a lot of NFL defensive coordinators talk, for better or worse. <laughs> you know, we, some of the stuff we like, the stuff about Jim Turner, um, I, like that's his uh, his track record. We kind of we kind of knew that about him getting into it. Um, so, I but yeah, like it, it, it's hard to know like how much of that is is sour grapes, how much of that is some guys are cool and some guys aren't um but yeah i mean there's definitely like like this is this is not perfect situation like like it's not being things aren't, aren't being handled correctly uh from the head coach on down you know and and, and that's what it, it comes down to too because ultimately zach taylor is responsible for not 100 the roster that comes into the building but the personnel that are in the building. Uh, you know, he's, he's responsible for them and, and making sure they're doing the things they need to do. And, um, you know, part of being a head coach is working with coaches and having expectations for them. You, you allow them to be professionals and, and do what they do, uh, but they've got to be able to do it within your framework. So uh, you're, you're culpable if you're allowing some of these things to, to happen, even if it's stuff that's not directly related to him, Um if you're letting these things uh, go on, uh, but look, these are things. Uh, Elise Elise uh, tweeted something similar, you know, kind of kind of the the opening uh, fragment of this uh, weeks ago. Um, you know, there were there were rumors of some of this stuff last year. You know, Ace and Zim, you know, some of their connections were talking about some of this stuff. So there's, I mean, there's definitely problems, you know, but there's Everybody's happy and there's losing the locker room. I don't think we're on either end of that. Uh, It's where is it? Is it salvageable? I mean, honestly, you look at the Carlos Dunlap situation, and I think part of me wonders if if Zach Taylor perhaps naively sees things in a best-case scenario, hopeful standpoint, like I can make it work with this guy, I can make this guy happy, and – you know, maybe they should they should be cutting ties the guys faster. You know, like the Dunlap situation, probably knew it wasn't going to work out long ago. Let's let's go our separate ways. Um, you look at Minka Fitzpatrick in Miami. Like people talk about uh, about the Dolphins and how they traded all this stuff for for capital. They traded Minka Fitzpatrick because he wanted out. <laughs> like they they got rid of the the guy that wasn't wasn't vibing with what they were doing. Uh, and it and it benefited everybody involved. They got the pick. I mean, it, it hurt anybody in the AFC North that's got to go up against Minka with a uh, Steelers defense. But, like, I don't, I don't know. So, maybe, like, maybe that's him just trying to do too much and trying to make people happy. And m- maybe we do need to be cutting ties and cleaning house a little bit more with some of this stuff.
0: Instead of Anthony, don't tell him I said that, but like, I mean, I mean, you have you have experience as being a coach in a a college atmosphere in a college locker room. And I think when when I when I hear that statement, I just immediately think, well, the difference in my mind between, you know, how college coaches approach players and how NFL coaches approach players is that with college, it it is not, not like authoritative, but. There is less freedom for for players because that that is their school. That's that's their scholarship. It's hard for, for certain players to transfer and whatnot. And there is more, I, I guess, control on the coaches' side to just be whatever kind of coaches that they want to be. Because like it, that that you know the player's there for four years, and that, that's just that. Once you know you're in the NFL, and you, you should I guess be in a more like open relationship in terms of just having like adaptive coaching and learning from from both sides whereas it, so like if I hear a coaching you know co- like blocker room and atmosphere it's more of just the stuff of about Lou and Rumo cussing out players and, and Jim Turner being my way or the highway and having both of them kind of having that same style like it, 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 am I off base there or is it like that, that, that just kind of sounds like what I feel like when I hear that
1: I, I like I honestly with where they're at right now like Look, I, I I get that guys are professionals. Like the, these are professional athletes, and some of these guys are older than some of the coaches, and they've been doing this stuff for years. Um, I don't know. I mean, in in my, I don't know how to fix something that's really bad without taking charge of it. You know, and and like I, you know, I, I went to a program that was was really bad, and I was an assistant coach, and we were very, very hard on everybody around there. And, but we also weren't afraid to get rid of people that weren't going to be on board with it. Um, But like, we were really rough on guys and yeah, we were, we were cussing some of these guys out and stuff too. But uh, like you know, like that, that's like the early, like you want guys to buy in and buy in because they believe, but like kind of the early stages of our, are you have to kind of squelch and get rid of any dissension because when you come into something, there's always going to be that dissension. One of the things I said when um, when it, when this did come out and when it sounded like it was a lot of the old Marvin guys, it was like, okay, I get it. But when we're talking about these guys that were with the Bengals in the last three years when, you know, when they weren't good and with Marvin, and then we're talking about the new guys coming in, I'm not necessarily siding with the players because what they were doing wasn't working. You know, what what Lewis was doing in those last few years, you know, he did some very good things uh you know for for this uh the this city for this team. Um five straight playoffs, you know, it took them from the, the crap fest of the nineties to, to being a com, you know competitive uh in a playoff team. But I mean the last last few years it was going. I I, I kind of think about uh like Paul Gunther too. And like remember when Paul Gunther like he, he was he was a rat like he like he was like he was trying to get out and it was, he was like trying to sneak onto Jay Gruden's staff and you were just kind of hearing this this, this stuff about him and then you know like eventually he, he's gone and he's having success where he's at now but I mean I, I wonder if things were just becoming bad around here and he was like I got to get out of here because we're gonna get fired anyway I mean, it certainly, it certainly didn't end well for Marvin. I,
0: I think the, the difference with that is that he was always regarded as like a player's coach, someone who was who would always try to adapt his approach and form these relationships with these players. I think for all intents and purposes, Zach has at least come off as that same type of guy, but the stuff that, that you hear is, is more or less like you know, it's it's my way or the highway, and I think that I guess is where the difference is. And obviously, mm-hmm. what, what, at the end of Marvin's tenure, things trailed off completely, and, and he obviously re- regressed and just kind of get got tired of the whole thing, and, and nothing was necessarily working. But for the most of of his tenure, he was always regarded as as the guy that players could look to and, and have confidence and and have this level of trust. And I guess we're just not really seeing that from Taylor, even though that's those are the things that he's
1: continuing to preach, regardless. And, and Marvin had a resume coming in too, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and now we're going way back, but, you know, Zach Taylor is the guy that before Burrow, before, before Burrow was around, this was not, you know, a, a destination job necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they, they took a guy that maybe was a year or two away from being a serious candidate in a lot of places uh, you know, based on his potential and some of the things that they saw in him, Marvin Lewis was the opposite. You know, Marvin Lewis coached one of the best defenses of all time, um, and took a you know year as an assistant head coach, basically trying to find a job. But um, you know, and why other things didn't work out, we won't get into here. But like he, those guys respected him, like because they they knew who he was walking in the building. They knew they sucked. They knew the Ravens had won a Super Bowl. They knew this is the guy that was coaching Ed Reed and um, and Ray Lewis and those guys. So you know there was a there was respect that was commanded there. Zach Taylor doesn't come in with that with that pedigree, you know, uh, with anything near that pedigree. You know, you, you, right. okay, he went to the Super Bowl with the Rams. He was like the third guy in the offense. You know what I mean? Like he was he was buried down there. Um, Turner, Anarumo, like, what do those guys have to, to hold their hat on, uh, really, in terms of just, just commanding respect? And, and they don't. So they, they've, they've got to earn it. They've got to earn it in person because they don't have anything walking in the door that's going to be like, oh, this is that dude.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, for now, you know, the Bengals coaching staff is still here and they have a job to do, and so do the Bengals. So, um, yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: Like, and, and that's the thing is, like, I think I get, you know, uh, look, I don't know what's going to happen, and but the, at the end of the day, like, like sometimes when we talk about some of the stuff, you know, we'll get the well, we don't have the coaching staff. the The point is, if they do win, if they can figure these things out without Burrow, maybe they do have the coaching staff. Like I don't know that they do yet. I mean, I don't know that they don't yet. Is what I'm trying to say. Like it doesn't look good. There's not a lot to really make you feel good about it. Um but as long as they're here, let them, let them let them be here and and let's let's hope for the best because we don't want to we don't want to restart again. You know, I mean we do if it's the right decision. You know, you gotta you, you to cut ties. Uh, but hopefully we see something here where it's like, okay, like you know, they they've got it because we've we've seen some positive things administratively there that have, have told us that things have changed. But now we've got to see the staff take the next next step forward and really get these guys to uh, to compete. I'm, I am I don't have volume on you. Can you hear
0: me? I'm just myself for no reason at all. <laughs> that is why they play the game is what I meant to say. This yeah. is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's Matt Minnick. I'm John Sheeran. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Art 19, Google Play, however you get your podcast. We are on there. We are also presented by Narragansett Beer. Matt is the is our official Narragansett. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I, what I would call you for that, but you're the only one who who drinks it and is able to find it in in your general area. So you're, you're the biggest. You're the biggest. I mean, on the street, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you you carry the load in terms of making our corporate sponsors happy, but we are happy to have them as our partners for the 2020 season. You can also catch us on our. Pre-game shows live one hour before kickoff. We will be live again on Sunday at noon before the Bengals take on the New York football giants and they will have a new starting quarterback in that game. in Brandon Allen, as we talked about at the beginning of the show. And I guess that's, that's kind of where I, I guess that's kind of where we're, we're going to go next. Unless we want to talk about the offensive line and everything about that first.
1: Uh, let, let, let's talk quarterback. Okay. All right. You, you actually, you tweeted earlier today and I responded to it uh, that that Brandon Allen and, and Ryan Finley were like the Spider-Man uh, uh, meme pointing at each other. Um, <laughs> look, Allen has basically the same experience as, as Finley. He started like three games last year. Uh, most Bengals fans didn't see much of that. Um, I did it earlier today, <laughs> to, be, to be honest with you. Uh, you know What What are, what are your thoughts uh, on, on these two guys? Do you th- I mean, we know we know what Finley is. Uh mm-hmm. Do you think that they can do more with Brandon Allen? Like, I honestly have no issue with
0: starting Brandon out at this point because I I think it's there's a clear argument to make that Ryan Finley has been the worst NFL quarterback since 2019. At least for, it was from like an EPA e- per play perspective. Like, it, it the tape does not lie. He's clearly just not it. And he, you know, he was thrown into the fire last year. He got three games to play with a a, a depleted offense and obviously a rookie play caller, but it it still was not promising in the slightest. You know, they they got their ass handed to them against the Ravens in that first game, and they were just an, an inept offense against the Ravens and Steelers. And again, he was thrown back into the fire against Washington, and obviously he didn't do so well. So his opportunities have been limited, but he was already a pretty limited player anyways. And even if the expectations were not relatively high at all, he still just failed to meet them. And at, at this point, and we can go back to the coaching staff, like they need results now. And they know that this guy that they've had as Burrow's backup, the guy who's dressed every single week with, with the clipboard and, and the headset, they've had him as their backup, but they they've, they've seen what he can do. And now in almost four games in two years, and they're like, it's, it's just not enough, you know, and, and Alan has been with the team since, you know, August and he's been on the practice squad as a like protected player for most weeks. And even if he has, even if he wasn't that number two guy behind the depth chart, I can understand exactly why they would want to look at him. But it just still feels like at the end of the day, it's not worth really going into what really separates the two quarterbacks because largely they're pretty similar talents. I guess you can cl- classify that Allen has like a maybe a more stronger arm, and he has one more win on his resume. He might be a little bit more accurate, but at the end of the day, there's not that much that separates them. They're just two, you know, marginally different quarterbacks at best.
1: I get up in the morning and I I set my alarm and I wake up real, real early. And I watch film just about every morning. Sometimes I get up early and I'm right, but usually I'm watching film right away. And here's the thing is with Ryan Finley, I can bring up game pass. I can go to the first play. I can click on his first pass, you know, and then he drops back. I can go make a cup of coffee and some oatmeal, (laughs) you know, like, you know, Maybe you know, kind of check my phone for a little bit, and then that pass like gets somewhere near the receiver. I knew exactly where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like that's to be like you watch him and you're like, you don't like, don't even watch where the ball's going, just like watch how it comes out and how fast it's getting there, and it's just like with Finley, it's just like, oh man, how how is this going to work? With Allen, it's like, I don't think he's quite as accurate necessarily. Like I, I, he's, I mean, he's definitely we're not going to have the burrow accuracy. We're not going to have those, you know, those kind of throws or anything, but he's at least got enough arm that he can chuck a ball up and it probably should be picked. But I think T Higgins might be able to make the play on it. Like, so at least there's a chance with it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, to me, to me, like that, that's the big difference. Like he, he throws some pretty halfway decent looking balls that are not quite on target, but, Maybe your receivers will bail you out. I mean, we're watching Finley, watching like like I said, all of Finley's uh, NFL passes. Pretty much any play that went well for him, Boyd or Auden Tate bailed him out. Mostly Boyd, uh, but even like like we weren't at a very good place. Like like Stanley Morgan was playing receiver in one of those games. Like like. You know, Ross and AJ were out too, so it, it's not like Finley really had a lot in his favor at that, that yeah. time either. Uh, but like, so so yeah, maybe having real receivers for these guys, you know, um, you know, doesn't look good for Tate. But you know, having Boyd Higgins, AJ out there, uh, like really like for this team to have any chance everybody just needs to step up like these receivers have got to freaking just be as the like pay, play their best damn football cuz there's no margin of error with this um be, because you're right like neither one's the guy but I, I think at least allen can put the ball in the vicinity where if a receiver's the guy <laughs> the, you know that he can do something with it right and and i think um
0: Zach taylor talks with jeff hobson every week on bangles.com and jeff um, asked taylor essentially you know what has been the distribution of reps between finley and allen during the season when burrow was obviously healthy and like i mean finley was especially running the scout team and allen has been getting pretty a uh, similar amount of reps to finley so it's not like you know even if allen's like the practice squad guy it's not like he's getting zero to no work compared to finley like he's still you know getting in reps with 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 some of the scout team members and some of the like the third streak players so there is still that work that he's he's been getting and and I think that's important to note because even with Finley being the guy who's on the active roster and like like the backup to Burrow it doesn't mean that like Allen was so was like a noted, notably like below him and I think the coaches see that they see there's a difference in Allen's game compared to Finley and obviously it, you know when you give Finley those chances and he didn't show proof to be worthy at all in, in any of them like this is six weeks to go and, and you have games to win. Like you have to go with the guy that you're most confident with. And it, it, would, it would make sense if they went to Finley first to give him a full game to kind of try it out to kind of justify why he was the number two guy on the depth chart and then go to Allen if Finley stinks up again. But I think this is a clear showing of just kind of how desperate they are and how much they want this to work right now. Like if they, if they think for, if for even a second that Allen – Would be the next guy up, like immediately, if they just didn't have confidence in Finley. And there was no point in starting Finley and going going to him first when you have a guy that you might be more confident in, Allen.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and people ask why was Finley the backup anyway? I mean, honestly, I I think it was. I'm trying to remember who it was. I think might have been Paul Deener Jr. One of the one of the one of the big media guys in Cincinnati. I had this conversation with him towards the end of camp, like in August. And I was like, "All right, I mean, they're calling Finley the backup, but like, I I know Brandon El- Brandon Allen was the quarantine quarterback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was the guy that was not even take reps with the team. But like, I was like, but you know, like, if something happens, you got to go to Allen, right? Like, it's pretty clear that he's better than Finley. And they're like, "No, it's no, it's Finley." And, but look I think that's where we're at I think that the, the, they I think they put it out there and they're like maybe they didn't evaluate it really because they're like eh, well we put Finley out there last year he knows what he's doing and they're just planning on Burrow being healthy which it's honestly is fine because you should plan on Burrow being healthy <laughs> like, you, you know and especially when you get a rookie quarterback you want that guy taking the reps you want to you want your coaches spending the time with that guy. You are not really worried about developing Ryan Finley and Jake Dolagala as, as as backups anymore. Um, I, but yeah, so I think maybe, maybe they figured it out finally. A lot of this staff has not done things as quickly as you would like to see. Like sometimes they get like like last year with the with the offensive line, like the run blocking changed, and they did a good job with that like the way they adjusted. But why did we have to wait for a bye week to do that? Like, why did we have to wait till halfway through the season to, to figure that out? Like these evaluations should be going and minor changes should be happening all the time uh, as you're going through this stuff. And I mean, like we see, we, we see that stuff a lot, you know, why isn't it faster? So, Maybe this is a good sign that they've got that urgency, like <laughs> like you're saying, that they're that they realize that they that they have to do something, you know, whether it be because there's pressure from the media, whether it be because there's pressure from within the locker room, um, whatever it is. I do want to touch on, like I've I've talked about this before, like Burrow really seems like he's on the same page with Zach Taylor, and I think that any. Quarterback, head coach, like there should be a, you know a great relationship there. Even if he's not the play caller, even if he's not an offensive guy, you know, Belichick and Brady used to meet and watch film together every single week, and what you know? Like Belichick would, Brady would, was telling Belichick what he liked, and you know, even Belichick was a defensive guy; he had an influence on the offensive game plan in that way. So, you, I think you need to have that. I think that's important. But we also know how much. Everybody else believes in Burrow. So, like, that's a kind of a two edged sword. That, like, are they have the issues that we're seeing in the locker room not completely boiled over because Burrow is bought in and because Burrow is, in a way, protecting the coaching staff that, you know, not, not, you know, outwardly, but that he's a buffer uh, because yeah. they, You'll see that relationship. Um, again, for better or worse, you know, either he's he's the buffer and, and they're right or he's the buffer and they're, they're wrong. Um, or, and, and, the, and now what happens? You know, that he's not going to be in that locker room. He's not yeah. going to be there today. The does this thing, like as bad as it seems right now, does it turn into an absolute shit show off the field? Like we know the offense is going to turn – is going to be – bad uh now we know it's we know it's gonna be bad to watch but what happens off the field now with burrow not around
0: i, I think that's why unraveling is like a, an apt word even if a lot of this stuff is speculation at, at the moment and just you know you know anonymous sources kind of saying this stuff it's why there is some weight to it because like like you said like burrow w- whether he knows it or not he probably doesn't know he has so much power and influence on the direction of this team, like his preferences and, and what he says is going to carry a lot of weight with, with the front office, with the decision makers, with the coaches, when he's not out there, it's, it that puts so much more pressure on the coaches to keep pushing their message and pushing their culture onto the players. And if they don't respond without Burrow being there to kind of re- reinforce it and have having everyone looking at Burrow for, for guidance as the guy with the shoulder pads kind of relaying this message, then it, it, it's up its up to that message from Taylor to actually have actual weight and results behind it. And I think that's a great point as to why he doesn't he doesn't get an excuse for not having Burrow out there because this is now the end of his second year. He's got all of his guys up there, like like even Finley. Like Finley was the guy that, that they traded up for in the fourth round to get. He, they, he was the only quarterback – that they were interested in drafting in, in 2019 and they sacrificed draft capital to get him and three and a half games in, into his career, they're, they're taking a the guy that has you know, played less, even though he's been in the league for three, for three more years and bringing out. So like that, that's already essentially an L that they're willing to take in order to, to make sure that, that this thing actually works. But it, it's such a good point though, because like without Burrow, how much does that message actually resonate in the locker room? And, and, with, and with Allen like obviously, you're gonna have to change a lot of things with, with you know how you, you operate the offense and try try to dumb things down, I guess to to a certain degree. But at, at the same time, like everything that, that you've been preaching, all all these ideals that, that you've been saying, like they still have they still have to apply, and they have to apply now more than ever because th- this is when actual growth happens when your when your backs are up against the wall and, and people are, are, are saying things and, and throwing things off the wall. And you're you're in a lost you're in a lost season, but potentially jobs are on the line and potentially another reset could, could potentially happen with a lot of this coaching staff. This is the time for a- actual results to, that need to be happening regardless if Burrow is out there. And when he's not out there, like you said, how much is that message going to actually resonate?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things, but what is winning games isn't just about winning games, it's also that like they're really going to have to work together. They're really got to come together. They're going to have to trust each other more than they have. Um, you know, the all, we, we've seen it all year where they can't put together a game. You know, like the defense will play really well for three quarters, um, but the offense, you know, isn't playing well. the The defense looks halfway decent, and then they give up some big time plays in the in the pass game, But the defense can't do anything, even though. You know, Burrow was going up and down the field. Like, there's just that they don't help each other. And with the exception of like when the old line was almost completely revamped, like those guys, like like those guys played really well together. Um, Burrow helped them out, you know, and the play calling helped them out. But they played really well together and they stepped up. But I feel like that they, they, they don't understand how everything works together. And they don't. And if they understand it, they don't. They don't help each other enough with it. That when you're when you're playing the Ravens, you need to understand that, hey, the offense is going to struggle against this defense, so we need to stick up. Hey, the defense is going to struggle. You know, they're going to give us some play, so we, you know, hey, it's going to be tough for us too. But we got to we got to figure out how to score these things. Um, you go into a game with, you know, Jalen. I don't even remember his name. He's still on the roster, you, you know. Like he, 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 these these cornerbacks that you're pulling off the practice squad, and you're like, okay, we need to score points because the defense can't do this. Um, they they don't step up in those moments, and now we've got a like six straight week of that moment where you know everybody's screwed. Like, you know, like, so guess, like, the defense has to play lights out. The offensive line has to be better because they don't have Broder to bail them out. The receivers have to be better because it's not going to be a perfect ball. So, like, now it, like, just puts all that on you. And can they make the – get these guys to to come together like that? that that's I mean, that, that's what it comes down to for me. Like, I think it's a tremendous opportunity that – for the coaches to show that they can – bring people together because at the end of the day, like that's, that's the biggest problem. And I, I think that's the, the team that you see that are really successful. Yes. They have good players, but they buy in, they fight for each other. And when one, you know, when their awesome quarterback is having a three pick day, guess what? Their, their defense picks it up a little bit. Like, they, like they support each other and they help each other out with that stuff.
0: For, for, for anyone who
1: doesn't watch Matt's like cha talks, like, I mean, Matt
0: is not I I wouldn't call I wouldn't call you Like an, an optimist I would just you, you just talk like Like you're trying to teach something You're you're offering guidance And I think that's An incredible perspective To give At least to Someone like me Who's just a gas bag Without any experience <laughs> in, in his entire life But it's like The, the, the more we talk about this The, the more that like I, I just I just can't escape the feeling Like Sometimes when you know Like you know And I think that's what A lot of fans Are still thinking about Like if If it hasn't happened now it, it probably won't happen with with burrow being out and like these are all great like you know words of wisdom that the coaching staff should have definitely like applied to at this point it, it just seems like you know the, the more the more we talk about it, the, the more not, not hopeless or, or helpless it, it, it is but like it, it just it just seems so much harder for them to actually apply to these things and, and make these adjustments now with with, with all the with everything that's going on, like so many players are on IR, obviously Burrows out, and, and it, it looks relatively hopeless. But like this is what like happened with Miami last year. You know, they they offloaded a lot of players, and, and you touched on this in in your article today on Sensei Jungle. Like th- they made all those changes, but I mean, Flores still had a plan, and he still had a mindset with that team, and people kind of rallied behind it. And the Dolphins weren't weren't supposed to be competitive towards the end of that season and and that's exactly what they were and they they fought their way out of the number one draft spot they ended up being i think fifth and now they're in now they're in a position to actually be an aspiring contender because you know they they took that momentum they went into the offseason they acquired talent so now their roster kind of matches their overall culture and mindset and things are just starting to click and i I think that's where Bengals eventually they, they have to be there eventually like in order for them to make that next step and be better than where they were when they were consistently, make, consistently making the playoffs, they need to instill that culture and that atmosphere in the locker room at some point. It, it just seems like, you know, it, it just probably isn't going to happen with the staff. And the more we talk yeah. about it, the more it's, it's hard to escape that feeling.
1: Yeah, no, no, I'm with you. And, and yeah, and, and if we don't see something in the next few weeks and they and they stick with it, it's just like, oh man, we're, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting really deep into it. And, and I guess that that's my thing. I, I I look like an optimistic times because I'm always trying to figure out a way to make it work. Uh, and like, I'm not going to make any of the, you know, I'm not making decisions. <laughs> like I don't, I don't, The Bengals don't sign my paycheck. So it's just like, all right, well, this is the situation. How do we make it work? Because honestly that's the biggest thing that, that I learned from coaching that I know about coaching is that sometimes, you know, your star player, punches the guy in the dorm and, and you can't, you can't travel in the next week cause you get kicked off campus. You know? <laughs> Like, so, like sometimes players get hurt. Sometimes players get in fights. Some, you know, like things happen and you just got to figure out a way to adjust because at the end of the day, nobody cares. Like they, they care about wins and losses and and that's the coach's job is to figure out how to win games regardless of what's going on with it. Um, but we probably, I mean, we're, we're pretty deep into this thing, but, uh, Let's uh, let's talk O line real quick because you did mention that before. Um, I mean, y- yeah, you, you, you start us off. I don't want get I don't want to get too deeper right away. <laughs> like, because that's that's. I,
0: I understand why like the coaches were so bullish about this group because like they 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 went into the stop season and they, and they evaluated what they had and as a result they ended up. Just shot, just signing a career backup, a guy that they thought that they had potential to, to fill one of the spots, and they waited until the sixth round to draft another guy with with potential and fits along the same guidelines of, of the guys that they look at. But like they, they knew what they had at the offensive line, and they and they banked on you know development of certain players, and that's that's I think more of where the blame should kind of go with with how this thing happened because obviously nobody nobody could predict how or when you know, a, a, a potential injury to Joe Burrow was going to come. I, I don't think I don't think that's what, you know, people like me were 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 kind of thinking about. It was just that if you put him behind an offensive line that is banking on the, the development and the progression of certain players who just haven't shown it shown to be those caliber players yet, the, the the chances of those hits kind of piling up and for one of those hits being a catastrophic one and unfortunately leading to a catastrophic injury the, the the chances only increase. Like I, I understand completely. Like like Burrow was, was going to take hits and he, he could be the least hit quarterback in the NFL and one of those hits could could lead to an injury. That's that's completely possible. It's football. Like stuff happens. But I think the whole thing with me was that it wasn't just about like saying an an injury was was for sure going to happen at this point after this many hits. It was just if you have a quarterback that takes this amount of hits behind an offensive line that was supposed to be this good but it ended up being this bad, like those chances only increase. And it's why I think there has to be some form of accountability in the evaluation process for this, for this offensive line for what happened to Joe Burrow.
1: Yeah. And I think people blame. All right. Let's go back to my perspective on things again. And I just want to explain something. So, I'm not defending Jim Turner as a, as a coach because their play is his play. You know, like, that's that's what you can judge him by. Um, but I, I feel like we unfairly, like, loop him in with, well, he didn't, you know, he said that offensive line was good enough. Of course he said that offensive line was right. good enough. Like, I know he has an influence, and you know what? He might have been pounding the table for Jack Conklin, and, and they were just like, no, we're not going to pay quite that much. You know, and he might have been, he might have been, uh, you know, screaming for, you know, name the second round off at the tackle. I can't, I, I, I had a name. I lost it. Josh Jones. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. J- Josh Jones. That's the one I was trying to think of. He may have been screaming for Josh Jones and they're like, no, nah, we got to take T Higgins. T Higgins is our 15th player on our board. You know, like, so some, you know, I, I, I think he gets unfairly blamed for that. At the end of the day though, just like I was saying before, like, you know, your, your, your star player punches somebody, your, you know, his backup uh, gets injured. Like you got to figure things out. This is his group. He should be supporting them. He should be talking positively about them like he does at least in the media, but you've also got to, you got to figure out how to make it happen. You got to do your job. And, and like, that's, that's a coach's job. A coach's job is to come up, you know, create something even out of nothing, <laughs> you know, like even if you, even if you don't have anything, so you know that we can judge it on. We can definitely judge the, the development of Michael Jordan, who I thought was showing some uh, positive signs last year, and who hasn't been very good this year. You know, I mean, really, that was one play in one game that hurt Burrow, and it could have happened at any time, and it could have happened to uh, to Joe Thune in there, you know. It didn't, (laughs) but it cut off. But when we watched that game, Jordan was getting smoked the whole first half. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I I stopped counting after Burrow was out because it's it's a different ball game with a different quarterback in there. But um, uh, Spain gave up a sack that was called back when Burrow's helmet got ripped off. Other than that, every single pressure quarterback hit that I saw was on Jordan. And I mean in, in like Spain didn't play great, don't get me wrong, but like y- you get it, like both those guys are gonna struggle. Like they had really good interior pass rushers in that game. So those guys got absolutely I- exposed by it. Um you mentioned Sue like they go in there and Sue kind of an iffy guy to have as a starter. They didn't really have options beyond that. You know, Redman Redman was cut right away. Like, you know, they they brought him back and and to his, you know, to his credit, he bailed him out in a lot of ways. He, you know, he he solidified that after you know, Price and, and Johnson didn't work out. Um, but then when they went out and they got Spain, they're still trying to fill that right guard spot. They got Redmond out of there, you know. And you, you hope that like, – like, you can't have two holes at one position. <laughs> you know, like, you hope they would have had enough resources in there that – that that's taking Jordan out in that situation, um, but I, I I don't know. I mean, it's a bad deal, and I, and I think that O line and D line are where the investments need to be next year. They they need a pass rush, and they need to to protect their quarterback and and generate a run game, which is a struggle for them all year as well. Um, you know, we'll go a little bit longer here. We're, we're, we're just over an hour now, but uh, that naturally segues us to the topic that if there's anything that Bengals fans are feeling good about right now, uh, it is that they are penciled in for the number three spot. They are unlikely to move any higher than that. I would say based on the, uh, the guys that are um, the, the, the teams that are in front of them in the draft, uh, but Penny Sewell from uh, Oregon. I, some people are calling him like the best offensive line prospect ever. I'm, not ready to say that I've watched enough film to, to uh, talk about that. But um, so that's a guy that, you know, if, if they don't win another game, um, they're going to have an opportunity of that guy. Unless something weird happens. Cause the one and two are most likely to be Trevor Lawrence. Um, and uh, well, I'm just forgetting names left and right today. <laughs> you know, you know what, you know what everybody watching knows what I mean? Cause he plays for Ohio State, Justin Fields. Uh, so, I mean that—that's one thing. They're in that position, and and all of a sudden, like, I mean, obviously, there's some other problems we just talked about the guard position. But if you're if you're booking tackles in front of uh, Burrow or, or Jonah Williams and and Penne, you feel pretty good about the future. Um, yeah. What do you? What are your? I mean, I don't know if you've uh, really gotten into the draft too much, but uh, you know, what are your what are your thoughts on on him specifically? You're on mute again. <laughs> I'm trying to drink water, and I just I
0: I feel like people are hearing me drink water, so I just mute myself. So <laughs> you would think after two years I would learn these things, but um, I mean, Pene obviously make things better. He d- he wouldn't make things worse. Um, uh, the the thing though is like the, the the whole faith with the offensive line this year was that like your two best players, and, and uh, like we rank you know the Bengals' twenty five best players. On Cincy jungle, and I, I believe we had Jonah Williams has like number like eleven, and Trey Hopkins was like number eight, and on any the other team, like those two players would not be,
1: would, would both
0: not be twelve top twenty top twelve yeah. players on on any other team. Like those we,
1: were the. We t- talk about how much we like Trey, but I, I think ideally you want Trey to be like your fourth, yeah, fourth, best lineman. Like, and like it, it, he, it, it's nothing wrong with starter, but you don't yeah, want him like, to be your best starter.
0: Like he, he's a league average center. And I think, and I think that still has value and he's getting paid accordingly to that. And Jonah yeah. Williams can definitely at, at some point in his career, be a top 10 left tackle, but he wasn't going to be that in his first true year that, that those were the two assets that they were banking on to carry this offensive line. That in itself should have been a red flag to, to, at the beginning with, with, with Panay in there at either tackle spot, because I think either are gifted enough and, and smart enough to, to relearn and, and to have the technique to, to work at either spot. Like, those are two bookends for the future. It, it may be rough in the, in the beginning, even next year, in Jonah's second year, and Panay's first year, and Trey Hopkins will still be, you know, a solid guy. You still need to have, like, at, at least one high-quality starter at guard. If that happens to be Suofilo out, out of nowhere, fantastic. If they happen to sign a guy like Joe Thune, Joe Thune or Brandon Scherf to, to just fill one of the spots, perfect. But, like, they need, like, a ton of more solidity, and it's not just going to be Sewell Su- 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 that brings them that. Like, they need to have actual answers instead of just banking on development of guys that have, that just don't really have the promise to, to really become that. And, and even if Sewell is as great as he is, he is just unfortunately just not enough.
1: Yeah. I mean, Sue, yeah. Sue feel I, I thought was a good value pick because he is a pretty good schematic fit for them. And I think he's pretty good at picking up like, like that's the big thing with these, like these guards, like they don't, I mean, they were getting physically beat in the Washington game, but in a lot of these other games they've been just getting beat mentally with not being able to pick up uh, stunts and twists and just not seeing these things and exchanging these things. That's one thing that if they do – it's not going to happen this year but because uh, they have a, a, a glut of interior linemen. But, you know, if they draft Sewell and, and end, up, end up moving Hakeem Adenergy to to a guard spot, like he's a really – Good processor, uh, re- really. You've got to be able to, you've got to be able to do that, or take on a bull rush. You can't be bad at both. <laughs> really, <laughs> like, like that's what we've seen out of this group so far is like they like they're getting beat with with speed and they're getting beat with power. Um, I mean, you, you got to be built to, to stop something. Um, I, I tweeted something out talking about uh, uh, Penne and. Duke Mannyweather, I uh, actually tweeted a response to that uh, and said something about, I really hope they get a new – I I hope they don't uh, uh, draft him at three unless they get a new position coach. So (laughs) that's uh, disconcerting. Uh, By the way, uh, that is the uh, O-line guru who Billy Price and Hakeem Edenji both worked out with all summer. Uh, Actually, Sue Feel is one of his guys too. Um interestingly enough, since he signed in free agency. Um, so unlike those guys, he had a, he had the choice of of who was gonna be his position coach. Um so adding adding to the concerns. I want to break this down though. Uh so look, right now the Bengals have the third slot. Uh, like we said, the Jets and the Jaguars, like they've got over, you know, they've got at least a game and a half on those guys. So I it's unlikely they're gonna they're gonna jump into the one or two slot. But I looked at this over – I looked at, like, a fictitious team with a tie over the last 10 years. And so right now they're 2-13-1. one um, three third is the lowest with that record uh, any team has ever drafted. Uh, it's happened a few times. Uh, the average is 2.2. They win a game, all right? So let's say they go out there and, and and they they pull off a win. They're doing all those positive things we're talking about, but they're still only able to get one win. Um, the average is three point four for that. Like, so you're still in the ballpark. Uh, once a team selected second and a couple times fifth, which obviously you know we, we don't love, but the majority of them actually were selecting at at three. So um, you can win a game, and this is like the same Burrow conversation where I was like, "Yeah, we need to win the game. We'll worry about getting Burrow later. We got to win. We going to win some games." It's the same thing here, like. Like, I want them to compete, and I want them – like, the, the Giants game is probably the best chance they have. Like, I want them to show some fight and, and, and get one of these wins. And because they win one game, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to play themselves out of that position. Now, if they win two games, that's not looking so good. Um, mm-hmm. Because we, we do – first of all, there's a number of teams that that have three wins right now, that have only three wins right now. So if they lose out, you know, that could change things. Uh, but at 4-11-1 – The average draft position over the last ten years would have been six. Like, uh, it's actually a round number. Would have been six. Uh, Looks like about half of them are five, and some of them were a little bit higher than that. So, still a good draft slot. But from what we're hearing right now, and a lot, especially for a guy that opted out, and for such a weird, crazy season year that it's been, um, things could change. But you know, it appears that that Penny is the the miles Garrett of this draft, you know, like he's the top player, you know, not the top, not when you factor in quarterbacks, but he's the top player, uh, in the draft. So he's probably going in that, in that number three slot, uh, unless something weird happens. So, um, that, yeah, just wanted, wanted to share that with you. So you can win a game and, and, and still hopefully be there again. You don't, you don't know 100%, uh, but you're hopefully in that, in that situation. Um, and then, I, I I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you well,
0: know, where we're at, man. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's where we're at. And and some, I mean, I, some people would argue that that you know may, maybe trading down and collecting a bunch of picks would, would be better than, than to take one player because that's just just kind of how much help that they that, that they really need. Like mm-hmm. the, like the Dolphins ended up doing that t- to some degree, and and then they got more picks, and some of those picks are helping them out on the offensive line. That like they drafted like Austin Jackson in round one. And, not really sure how well he's doing, but I know that uh, Robert Hunt and Solomon Kidley, two guys that they drafted later in the draft, both of them have been solid starters to them on the long Dolphins line and have helped protecting Tua. So, a lot, lot of things that the, that the Bengals can learn from the Dolphins, especially considering they have a lot of former Dolphins coaches on their staff. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Kidley playing. Uh, K- Kidley's like, I think I saw something that ranked him as like the top rookie guard right now. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they like, they got to steal on that guy. That's the thing about guards. Like, you, like, we talk about taking Jordan in the fourth round. You can get a very good player in the fourth round of guard. Like, tackles fly off the board. Hakeem right. is Akeem is crazy for what we got him at, you know, like and, – and if he ends up being a swing tackle, he's absolutely crazy for where we got him at in the draft. Um, you know, so that's, I don't think I'm over-projecting him too much. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that's where we're at. we got to figure that out, and you know, and – Penny's a left tackle and Jonah's a left tackle. And you know, as, as I've talked about a few times in the last couple of weeks, because, because of uh, the Hakeem identity situation, like Jonas hasn't played right tackle since he's a freshman in 2016. So um, that would be another thing to figure out, but you know, the, those are good problems. Those are things you can figure out. So, um, all right. Well, I think we've depressed people enough. Uh, hey, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, <laughs> If if you are if you are thankful, uh, if you're if you're searching for something to be thankful for, um, you know, focus on the fact that orthopedics has come a long way in the last thirty years. I mean, I, I remember like in the nineties, like growing up, ACL injuries like guy was done. Like I remember like Terry Allen for the Redskins. He was the first guy that like came back from multiples, and it was like, holy crap, how's this guy coming back like this? Um, but you know, these guys do. Do a really good job, um, and and the the, the Bengals uh, have experience in dealing with it with it too. Like they're
0: they got a pretty good track record of, of getting guys back on time. Like Carson Palmer came back yeah. in, from January to like the preseason. Jeremiah Bernard didn't miss a game after being injured in November. Clint Bolian had something similar. Like mm-hmm. they, if there's a, if there's a team. For, for this to happen to like the Bengals have experience doing it,
1: yeah, they're not great at keeping people on the field, but they're pretty good at getting people back in the field. Uh, so <laughs> give them a little bit of time, but uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so yes, uh, this is uh, Orange and Black Insider again. We're brought to you by Narragansett Beer. Look, Narragansett's out of Rhode Island, so it's real easy for me to find, but it's not too hard for you to find either. They've got a beer finder on their website. You put in your zip code, it'll tell you the bars it's at. If you're, you know, it'll tell you um, liquor stores you can find it at. You can even like sort it by the product you want if you're looking for something specific. Uh, So that's a pretty cool deal. So, uh, look, might not be able for an interview. They're all over in Ohio uh, and and Kentucky. So, um, you know, check that thing out and uh, you know, grab a Gansett and you know, sit back and and relax and be thankful that you're not uh, being forced to watch the. The um Ravens and the and the Steelers tomorrow night. Uh Sunday. <laughs> Sunday now. Yeah, Sunday now. Yeah, I don't know if they're putting are they putting it on national TV though?
0: I don't it's on NBC, so they got their own channel. So. Oh
1: yeah, okay. Well
0: I guess it probably used then. All right, John, you got anything else? Nah, man. Uh it is it is Thanksgiving. Um it's been it, like honestly, I've been covering Bengals rookies since twenty sixteen and usually you don't have to wait until Thanksgiving to talk about a major injury with that. So, I mean, we, we, we got, I mean, we got nine and a half weeks out of burrow and I wish we had more, but you know, it was, it it was fun, you know, kind of breaking him down week by week and seeing the response from all these other people. But I mean, I don't know how these next six weeks are going to turn out, but like right now there's a lot of more important things in life to to worry about and to focus on. And, you know, the fact that we're just still talking about a stupid game with a stupid team, I, I, I feel pretty, pretty thankful in uh, the grand scheme of things.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely uh, much, much worse place, uh, places to be and things to be going through right now with the with everything going on. So definitely, uh, definitely plenty to be thankful for. And um, yeah, it, you know, it's funny. It, 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 I, I don't want to get us started on a whole other thing here, but uh, <laughs> Zach Taylor's breast coverage today, like, they were they were kind of like jabbing him a little bit, and uh, I think it was Ben Baby asking him about, like, basically it was like, "Man, that 2019 draft class sucks." <laughs> 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 like, I forget exactly how he said it, but 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 Zach was like, "Like, we like it. we're getting some good playing time out of these guys." I, I don't, know, I think it might have been like a like a him trying to dance around saying uh, Ryan Finley isn't any good, but right, it was like it was like making me, but but you just made me think of it like. This this draft class is pretty good, you know. Like especially we, we look at last year, and a lot of those guys are are gone already, and you know some other guys are are not looking so hot. But um, this group looks pretty good, you know. And they're gonna have some free agent linebackers. We'll probably see some more on Marcus Bailey next year, and you know this group might be all right. They they actually asked them that, that too. That, 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 this is a pretty good follow up. They're like, well. They asked him about problems they had evaluating people that year, which, you know, he was like, no, we did you know, like Duke set us up. we were good. But it was a pretty good question because like, like that's a legitimate thing that like this group looks pretty good and last year's didn't. So it was like that transition and those guys coming in late and did they, you know, did they know what they were doing really necessarily? Cause they definitely seem to have figured it out this, uh, this year. But anyway, I'm uh, I'm still on. You ben, know. we love you. Ben, we love yeah. you, man.
0: Great, great friend of the show. Was that and, um, just Ben, baby? We love you, man. Oh great, yeah, great no, Ben. Ben,
1: baby's show. great. It, it was just it, like it, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a great question. But like, like you could tell, it was like, oh man, <laughs> like the, uh, one of the things I love about Taylor press You could tell when he's pissed, mm. but he never loses his composure. Like. Yeah. I like I'm I'm big on like stoicism and I like I read a lot about like stuff like that and he's a hell of a stoic like he just did like he generally doesn't give you give you shit but like sometimes you'll see it like you'll be like interesting question you know <laughs> like, but that, like that's the most but it was great no, yeah it was a, it was an awesome job uh awesome job by Ben and then it was a question that should be should be asked right now you know like they're taking quick tough questions but they're taking for a reason but anyway we're gonna get out of here. Uh, be safe. Take care. Hope everybody's, uh, you know, got things to be thankful for, and uh, you know, spend some some time with some some family and being safe. Good day.